Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Wednesday's episode of the Terra Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and I'm joined by Joel Sked. Hello. And Craig G. Telfer. Hi there. So, yes, more unusual dates. You're basically going to get a podcast two days in a row. If this feels like a Thursday, I'm got my mind geared up this yeah. weekend tomorrow. Thursday just feels exactly like a Thursday. But it's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how the days of the week work. Yes, it's a, it's a simple fact. That I'm sure even Tory MPs can spin to their liking. Um, but right, so we had this, a show planned for tonight. Uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was very topical. And then uh, Anne Budge, as she tends to do, dropped a, an atom bomb on my working life. And uh, so we've decided to start with that. Anne Budge's 1200 word statement, Join. essentially saying, I'm back in Craigleby. <laughs> and a, a middle finger and maybe some Vickies up to the... Up to the home she support. gets it right up the trolls with her very what's her very first first line. I read it read it here um, when she says, "I want to address all genuine heart supporters." Yeah. And the second, I will address recent media coverage. So I think there's a fair few people. She doesn't name names. I don't want to give too much away. I think she's having a go at somebody called M. Stewart. <laughs> that's no, obvious. that's obvious. <laughs> Michael S. Maybe who who really seems to have a bee in his bonnet about Craig Levine. He he doubled down uh, after he tweeted. Uh, well, he quoted a statement and uh, basically doubled down, just saying again that he has the safest job, the safest job model of football, but also that he now honestly believes that Budge would rather leave than sack or relieve Craig uh, Levine off his duties as manager and director of football. So we should probably read out the bit that eventually, eventually got to the point. It was it didn't come till the second last paragraph where it actually said what the entire statement was basically about. Because in, in good budge form, 
She she rambled on <laughs> for 18 pages. Uh, front and back. A lot of ellipses as well. Oh, she loves ellipses. So it was, uh, so it finished off on in short, in short. <laughs> yep. Our board remains behind the manager, his coaching staff and his team. Dot, dot, dot. Not because he is, quote unquote, untouchable. Not because he is, quote unquote, all powerful. And not because we are, quote unquote, weak. As has been suggested, we remain behind him because we believe in a plan we have jointly put together. We will continue to scrutinise our on-field performances and should we feel our plans are going astray and our approach needs to be justified, we will respond accordingly. This is is one of the eight, I think eight or nine uh, sections, paragraphs, uh, just even wee snippets that I have pulled out and kind of bugged me. She mentions a, they mention the plan a lot throughout the statement. What is the plan? Now, that's one thing they've not explained what the plan is. If it's sign a lot of players, they've done that. <laughs> but it's like when it goes astray. I like to see what, like, so this is this is all this is all part of uh, the, the master this, plan. This is this is what it comes back it comes back to is the fact that uh, this is quite early on in the statement. Like every other heart supporter at the moment, I am hugely frustrated with the words frustrated. Now that's a word that really frustrates hearts fans yes. because Craig Levine uses it all the time. Or indeed lack of them. From the first five premiership fixtures. Five Premiership fixtures. What about the East Fife defeat on penalties? The performance against Stenhouse Muir? What about no league wins since March 30th or seven league wins since the 23rd of October? Yeah. And general standard of performance, which has been bordering on embarrassing for a long time. Yeah, they haven't won in 12 league games? 12 league games, yeah. And uh, I think the BBC put the table up the other day. If the form table went from October 30th last year then Hearts would be bottom of the table. Oh, put my Ann Budge hat on for a second. Um, she, she mentions injuries many times in the, <laughs> in the statement. Yep. Does she have a point there? Because I'm surely there's something about like yes. the, guys, the guys at Hearts are missing just now. So what, six or seven that would be part yes. of that? So, so, yeah, so she says we have a very strong squad, arguably, arguably the strongest we've put together over the last six seasons. True? And she rightly mentions... Is that true? Is that, do you agree with that? So I, think, I, think I think it's a strong squad, yes. And she rightly mentions that Levine's not been able to field his strongest eleven yet this season. However, they have a squad, but she mentions squad. They built a squad. They invested in seventeen players last summer, and then a further eight or nine this summer. And the word that stands out for me is squad. There's a squad of thirty there. There's a further eleven on loan, so forty-one players who have had first-team experience uh, on on Hearts' book, and they can't beat. Ross County home, they can't beat Hamilton at home, and they got beat by Motherwell at home. No, they thumped by Motherwell. Yeah, I mean it was three two, but it was uh, that was that was very generous. That was very generous for Hearts. She seems to contradict herself a lot, and that's kind of a good example. Is that she mentions she mentions injuries, but she mentions also that they've built a squad to counteract injuries this summer. Because with, with injuries in mind, I think that's what she says. But now they've had injuries and they're bottom of the table. So how is that going according to the it, plan? It seems, it seems at times with the ellipsis that she's she started writing it. And it's going down. It's like she's explaining, it's like, oh, injuries, it's, everyone's not going to go according to the plan. And then she stops and realises, ah, if I continue <laughs> down this path, I'm going to be criticising Craig Levine. Ellipsis, ellipsis, ellipsis. Anyway, supporters, <laughs> media... <laughs> It's almost she says like, however, running a football club, dot dot dot, like any business, dot dot dot, is an exact science. There's no need for ellipses at that point. Yeah, I, she, I'm she, not. Under, I'm not sure. Um, 
uh, understands a lot and gets a lot. No, no, she doesn't. There's Phil reading these No, I, no she, I, she famously doesn't edit them. Right. Or yeah. doesn't allow them to be edited. See, I, I generally, uh, I know I've got a, I've got a blind spot when it comes to Vladimir Romanov. I hold him, I hold him in high regard. But I think this is up there with um, some of the bonkers stuff that he's put out. Yeah, I mean, the... She does go on a lot about the media at the end, which, I mean, the fans aren't, fans aren't buying it at this time, man. And I mean, it's also quite funny as well, because she knows for the most part she's basically talking about Michael Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, she, she she talks about pundits putting out as, uh, it's like they're putting out as fact, but I think a lot of it is people saying they're uh, pundits or uh, journalists, if it's like an opinion piece, writing an opinion piece and what they believe uh, from seeing from the outside. And it's easy to understand why. Uh, pundits like Michael Stewart or journalists have got this idea of the board being weak or of Craig Levine having a because it goes back to the old joke is Craig Levine going to sack himself yeah yeah. we've heard heard a lot yeah I know and she she, I mean fair enough she she basically states out point by point says exactly what Craig does and that he is being held to account at these board meetings and the fact that they're not just saying oh well done Craig for being bottom of the table, and uh, when do you think you're going to sack yourself, pal? I mean, I think they will. I think they do have the power to do it. I just think that she's. I think she's probably overly enamoured with Craig Levine as as somebody as somebody in this in this job. She thinks that maybe to be fair, I think as well. A lot of times when you listen to Craig Levine speak after games, especially if you don't have a lot of experience in football, I think he would come across as very persuading if he's saying, no, we're, we're, we are going to turn the corner this because of X, Y and Z. Whereas for those who've spent a lot more time in football or watching football, we can easily show you a football team where the the, 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 the position the manager has become untenable because it's just, there's too much malaise do, and you need a fresh start. Do hearts have any good football men on the board? Uh, it doesn't seem like I'm not entirely I'm not going to Sorry I was gendered That's why I'm, I'm not going to no, Professional the identity Of all the members Of the board I think but, he's, uh, he, was, he was the He was the football person On the board yeah. When he was director of football The The, 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 the big issue Is the fact that People Everyone Not just Hearts fans See that the, the club Are underperforming massively And been underperforming For a long time And There's a lot of 90% of Other clubs Would have Sacked uh, Levine by now uh, because of the same. But I think there's, I think there's actually a bigger issue. I don't know if you want to jump in just now, but I'm just going to say there is a there's one question that Budge uh, should be answering, uh, which obviously, which I don't know if she's asked. I don't think she's actually talked frankly to him in a while. Why was Ian Cathro sacked for a, a run of results? It's effectively, and, the yeah, that's not worse than Levine's right now. What what about Levine? Does she believe so much that she didn't believe in Cathro because Cathro's form was relegation form. Catherine was very poor in the League Cup and he didn't even get to survive to the league season. And you look at Levine, so he had, he came in and took over from that season. So he got the majority of that season and then he got the whole of last season. Yeah. And then he's already started and he's got more of Catherine this season. And there's been no real signs of aggression where it's that, that's the start of last season is actually the blip. To take on to the bigger issue, a lot of fans will see that statement as a big fuck you. Mm-hmm. To, uh, to the fans because there is there was I think there's there's a lot who would off if the club got rid of Levine after the Motherwell defeat a couple of weeks previously the club thought okay a lot of fans went okay the, the board understand that's fine but this statement is only kind of um, strengthened the feeling of 
the feeling of distrust and even anger towards the well, board. I mean, you, you, were, you, were, you were outside the, the what's it, I keep calling it Margaret Thatcher Plaza. What's it, what's, what's it called? The, the foundation. <laughs> foundation somebody, put, somebody put that in the group chat and that's what it sort of stuck in my head. But I mean, you, you were outside there on Saturday. What is the, the general... I mean, is there, is there anyone who's who's defending Lafine or is it just sort of like about... Hundred percent, of the fans are going against them. I'm not. I've got a pal, a prominent Twitter account, who might defend them. But apart from that, I've not seen anyone. Yeah, I mean, how could you at this it's, point? It's 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 impossible to even because there's even. I think even now with this statement that people who are like really uh, okay understood that Levine had to go, but we're back in the boards like oh, I'm budged on. Even they're starting to turn because like because of uh, just how. Just how strong Budge's feelings towards back in Levina's manager. There's like no one can understand what the board are seeing about this plan that's working that others can't. Yeah, because you asked me before because she said she mentioned genuine supporters in the statement, and that's what it seems like a, a fuck you because it's mm. basically kind of implying that genuine heart supporters would not be calling for the manager's <laughs> head or not be backing the board on this, which is just insane. And there was that like you asked me. Craig, before we went on air, is there kind of divide in the heart support? I was like, well, the what's are defined in terms of who liked and who didn't like Butch. Because some saw her loyalty to Levine is a little bit too much, but we're still thankful for what the previous work she's done at the club. And thought, well, Levine will go eventually. And this will, you know, then she came back to doing, or then the sport could get back to fully sporting, except from the, to use a bit of term, the wee fannies that have been, you know, banned for being we arseholes, basically. Um, even, been- even, even then, that's, that's, um, I've spoken to people again on, on, on social media, it's not not as cut and dry as maybe the club have put out. Because well, the- it goes back to last season when two fans were suspended uh, suspended from Tynecastle for uh, quote-unquote racist, alleged racist abuse uh, towards, uh, I think it was a, a Motherwell player. Yeah. They were cleared uh, and the club never kind of came out and said... Yeah, never put out a cleared. statement. They put out a statement quickly enough to condemn it. But At least Falkirk, I mean, if you can say that about Falkirk got a lot wrong last yeah. season, but they did that after the whole Den and Lewis yes. sort of thing. They they apologised to the supporters. So to, to be succinct on what we're saying, so it's basically there was like three factions. There was some who... Maybe like my myself, Joe, people who are like kind of roll their eyes at all this or must be family friendly and all this stuff. But put up with it because, you know, the football's going that way anyway. There's the... The kind of fringe group who hate that and hate her and hate everything she's done and have hated her since Nielsen was in charge. Yeah. And there's those that are behind her. And now she's just uniting all these factions. That's what that's saying. So my mate, um, mates on the, like the, the, the group chat I've got for hearts, they were absolutely livid uh, with the statement. And that's one thing that came out. Everyone said, it's like, there's there's no hiding place. Yeah. She has united all fans. So there, I guess it's it was like, a divide. Yeah, I, I, like I had guys in my group chat who were very much on, on Bud's side, but they were like, it sounds like she lost the plot. It's like, like that, you know, that uh, predator meme with the two biceps. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, uh, family-friendly cunts, <laughs> we fannies. Yeah, Bud's out. Oh, I've got time later on to try and get that made up. <laughs> <laughs> There's one as well. All these hands sort of linking, linking yeah, yeah. in a in a circle. So maybe you could, uh, maybe you could do that. Yes. So, yeah, just one final thing to mention. She does say that uh, stuff reported in this morning's papers that Stephen Robinson was top of the list 
To replace Levine of Ibisact was basically wide of the mark or basically invented by an agent or whatever. Yeah, I don't think she needed to include that after the, the previous thousand words. Well, I got lost. I had to write a separate article because like, people are just going to miss this because <laughs> there's so much stuff in it. Oh, um, a statement that was the exact opposite <laughs> of the heart statement that came out today uh, came out from Patrick Thistle, which uh, basically may as well have just said, Gary Cobble's been sacked. <laughs> I, you know, some I can I can I just say first of all, fair play to Patrick Thistle for actually saying he's been relieved of his duties and not saying, oh, we've come to a mutual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be, to be fair, the club the club have updated it at this at the at the, at the start. Basically, um, Gary Caldwell has left, and Brian Kerr has left. So it's um, Jerry Britton who's the chief. No, sorry, Jerry Britton. Academy director Scott Allison and first team player Kenny Miller will all take charge of the squad for this weekend's. Scottish Library Premiership home match against Dunfermline. You know, you know. Well, that, that that's, that's a, a brain trust right there. I don't know. Jerry Britton could be. <laughs> no, he he managed them previously, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Him and him and Derek Mackay. <laughs> no, Derek uh, Derek White. Who's, who's Derek Mackay? Uh, Christ loads, knows. Loads of people. <laughs> loads of people. Yeah, God, that's uh, that's horrendous. Of course, you keep forgetting that Kenny Miller managed Livingston. Yep. Not very well. Not very well. Only the only down point they've had in like the last four years. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know something, um, I, and I, I, Gary Caldwell never really struck me as a particularly good fit for Partick Thistle, and I don't know what it was, and I, I don't want to like, say because he was an ex-Celtic player, but I think something about that perhaps counted against him, and I, th- I think that the some of the, the, the methods or, or the... Some of the team building exercises that they introduced, which might have actually been decent ideas, the speed dating that he brought in, the SAS stuff where, <laughs> where a player was kidnapped <laughs> from, from his from his bed. You know, in isolation, these might be interesting ideas, but it's just like a, a maelstrom of underperformance. Don't you think it would be sorry just on, on the SAS? SAS it would be hilarious if that's how they sacked him by getting the SAS to kidnap him, <laughs> uh, bring to him to the tuning ground, them. <laughs> Well, they should do. Or they could have done the speed dating, and then it would have been. Uh, oh, what's his name? Was it Colin Beatty? Yeah. Uh, just like he just did speed dating. So it's just all these lashes. And then Colin Beatty sits down across him. Like, you did here, <laughs> Gary. I've got some bad news. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be honest and say that I haven't seen much of Partick Thistle this season, but I did watch their match against Arbroath on Friday night that was on BBC Scotland, and Partick Thistle were really poor. I mean, they, they lined up in a sort of four-three-three formation with Tommy Robson playing in the middle of that three-man midfield. Tommy Robinson's a fairly mediocre left championship back. left back, so goodness knows what they were what they were doing, thinking playing in the middle of the park. And uh, our both were our both were the better team throughout the match, and, and they, they probably should have won the game. Uh, Partick Thistle admittedly did come into it towards the end, and they scored a really good goal through Kenny Miller. But I, I don't think that, that sorry full time teams should there's they've no divine right to beat the part time teams in a championship. But that was a very alarming performance. And I just think that, yeah, not a great fit. And I don't think there'll be any part. I don't want to speak for a support that I don't know that much about, but I can't imagine there'll be no, anyone it's... sorry to, to to see him move on. No, there's not a lot. It's, it's, it's been out throughout his tenure. He's never really been well liked by the Thistle fans. He didn't, they didn't get immediate bounce off him. He then sold Chris Erskine. He eventually would then get rid of Chris Doolan. But I'd say in his defence... That was a difficult thing. Some, uh, you know, you look at Chris Doolan. He hasn't exactly set the heather on fire yep. at Air United. Right. But so Doolan was probably going to have to be moved on at some point. So whoever did that was obviously going to have a, a very 
that you know going to come up against a lot of resistance. I think the fact that it was Gary Caldwell was the person that moved on Chris Doolin that exacerbates uh, an already oh, difficult yeah. problem. It was they've had a strange record so far this season in that they haven't won at all in the league, but they're undefeated in the cup, including two games against top flight opposition. I will ask Partick Thistle supporters would you rather be relegated and win the Challenge Cup or, <laughs> or, or, or the League Cup or finish in 8th place and have nothing I think the League Cup versus the next game's away to Celtic but uh, yeah I mean I, th- I, I think this goes it, it goes back to Alan Archibald and you can't blame Arlen Archibald no no Archibald I'm, not, I'm not blaming no I'm not blaming Alan Archibald I'm actually blaming not blaming the club but but perhaps they should who off. are you blaming <laughs> I am actually blaming the club <laughs> well because they, they, they probably should have uh, they should have cut losses and started a new the season they got season got relegated yes. and in that championship season uh, they first down from the premiership they kept with them and that regression continued yes. from the premiership Agreed. and it was it's kind of just continued and you look at their team they came down and you thought they probably had a premiership team to go back up and now it's it's a mid-table championship team at, at best. I mean, there's been a, there's a lot of names I do not know there. To defend Gary Cole somewhat, I think this hasn't been the easiest time for um over the summer and into the start of the season because Thistle have had all the ongoing stuff where the proposed takeover. There was not there was not something as well. He was promised something like hundred thousand pounds to spend on players or something like that there was there was a chunk of money set aside he for had, wages. He had four players lined up. Yeah, uh, and then he was basically told that they wouldn't be signing those four players. However, since then, I think it was made out at the time, and this was just around the first weekend of the season, I think it was made out that that would be it. But since then, have actually added to the team. Yeah, I think at least two players I can remember them signing, including Dario Zanata, of course. So no, of course, yeah. It's not like the money's been taken away entirely, but then that maybe still does disrupt you. If you've got four players, especially while the transfer window's still open, and you think, that I'd like to bring these guys in, and then for two weeks you're told, oh, we well, can't sign anybody. It's very likely that at least a couple of those players they had earmarked have moved mm. on to other clubs. Be interesting to see what Caldwell does next because his managerial career has sort of been a bit of a downward trend. I mean, he started at yes, Wigan. Definitely. You know, did I think he did reasonably? Would they get a promotion with Wigan? Yeah, he did get a promotion uh, with Wigan. Then moved to Chesterfield and ended up getting hounded out of Chesterfield. Then moved to Thistle and I'd like to say was never a particularly popular candidate for the. For, for the job so interesting to see where they go next um, I think as well Stefan Bienkowski tweeted out that is it Kenny Miller has, has seen eight managers in the last five years ago more than that including them no one of them was including <laughs> himself <laughs> as well so he, because you've, you've obviously got um, McCann Caldwell Miller Miller Marty Cachinha Marty Cachinha in the last five seasons, Kenny Miller has witnessed eight managers he was playing under loser job, including himself. There you go then. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard when your uh, main striker wants to play every single position on the park at once. He saw that Bugs Bunny cartoon and he thought that's got some good ideas. His goal against Arbroath was very well taken. It was. You can't take that away from him. I'm not suggesting you would, actually, but nevertheless. Okay, let's move in to League Two. It's quite a drop. Oh, great. The lowest common denominator banter there. Fair play to the pair of us. Right, uh, we're going all the way down to third from bottom of the league two and Stennis Muir, <laughs> another club who have parted with the manager. Was that today or yesterday? That was uh, that was last night. Last night. So, so three managers, no, oh, sorry, two managers have gone in 24 hours. The third is uh, 
Sorry, definitely not gone. When we were planning this podcast uh, and we were talking about the topics, I was told to prepare two lower league sides. Uh, and I don't want to talk about Stenishmuir because the last time the three of us were on, I talked about Stenishmuir and and, and and so on. And it's, it's boring because we're essentially going to repeat ourselves here. But it's, it's topical, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. I call him at Menem was sacked on Tuesday night. Now, the club are in eighth in League Two, five points from six matches, and they were well beaten by Cowdenbeath 3-0 uh, on Saturday. We'll, we'll save that performance one side because I do want to talk about Cowdenbeath. Now, after that match, going into the match... Like talking to supporters in the bar, it's all a small sample size, but there's a feeling that McMenamin really needed to, to to make the most of this match against Cowdenbeath because the next games are against uh, Breakin City at home and Stirling Albion away. So between Cowden, I think Stenismere badly underestimated Cowden, but going into that match between Cowden, Breakin, and Stirling, there's a thought that seven points would be a, a good return from that, you know, to basically kick-start the season, propel them up the table and get them into that throng of teams challenging for the top four. Um, but they, they, they were rubbish against them and McMenamin's record, McMenamin took over in November last year and he's played 30 league games, won seven of them and only two home games. Now, I was, I was thinking back to stuff that Sean McGuigan had said about Barry Smith's time in charge of Wraith Rovers. Now, when Barry Smith was in charge of Wraith Rovers, they actually won a lot of their home games. So most Wraith Rovers supporters wouldn't have been aware as to how bad the team were. They'd have probably thought, well, we're doing really well at home. How come we can't translate this away? But Stenishmere have been especially poor at home in the league. And I think that's exacerbated uh, people's opinion of Colin McMenamin and, and need to provoke some sort of change. Now, they were expected challenge for promotion this season, but they're miles off the pace. And you've not, you weren't happy with recruitment, were you? Oh, no, no, that's, I, was, I was going to come on to okay. that. The, 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 the I was just, just wanted you to be, uh, you just feel Yes, like no, no, that's, that's fine. So you can chip in and talk about specific players if you want, but the recruitment has been the biggest problem where, and we're repeating this from last week, but I think that, that, that Stennis Muir had a, a bit of money to spend. They identified some targets, one of whom apparently was Don Thomas that I found out. So he's never going to sign, <laughs> never going to sign Don Thomas. He was, you know, you've been offered an extra 12 months by I, Kelly. <laughs> I was right. So I was, I was right about Don Thomas. I was right. But the fact that Stennis Muir went for them, I think that kind of suggests that the recruitment was a wee bit Ambition is always good to have ambition, but uh, you've got to temper ambition with realism. And Dom Thomas is never going to go into uh, League Two, not after the season that he had with Dumbarton. So I think the only target they successfully managed to land was Chris O'Neill from Airdrie, and the rest of the squad was sort of a mishmash, a, a sort of hodgepodge of players who discarded from elsewhere, a couple of loan signings here and there. And I think they started the season by wanting to play a 4 4 2 when the, the football actually started against Albion Rovers and then Queen's Park in the first two league games, it quickly became apparent that the midfielders that he signed were not good enough to play in that formation. So he had to change from a 4-4-2 into a 3-5-2. You've only really got two like, orthodox central defenders, so you're having to play a, a sort of midfielder, auxiliary defender in there, play sort of like fullbacks and wingers in the wingback positions just to compensate for the fact that you don't have the bodies in the middle of the park and that really wasn't getting the best out of anyone and on top of that players seem to lose confidence in themselves very very quickly you'll see Stennis Muir players try to start the match brightly passing it through the midfield looking to keep the ball in the deck but then when things don't go the way it just gets shelled from backwards to, to forwards and it's just it's just dispiriting to watch so what's 
what kind of manager does Denny need to, to get them galvanised this season? Is there anybody who can come in and take this this outfit, well, the, this hodgepodge outfit, as you put it, and turn them into something that will challenge uh, or even get into the playoffs? Well, David Irons has been appointed on an interim basis. That was announced just before I was leaving work. So I'd updated my notice about David Irons' right, comeback. So previously Denny manager? He was, aye. And, and weirdly enough, he joined the club in sort of late 2010. The club were in a similar position, albeit in the second division, where there was a... A decent-ish group of players there that just needed sort of like solidifying, sorting out, and that's something that Dave Irons managed to do. The, the, the two of the big players that he signed was Eric Payton, who was released when Dundee went into administration, and Michael Devlin, on loan from Hamilton Academical. Obviously, he's gone on to to play for Aberdeen, and the pair of them were, were smashing signs for Stennis Muir, and the results over the latter part of that season were excellent. Coupled with Al Athletics, who were in the playoffs at the time at Christmas. To who eventually ended up getting relegated and the season the, the, the following year that Dave Irons had some, some of the best football I've seen from, from Stennis Mead a really a right good group of players there uh, so he's only taken an interim basis but going forward some of the names that have been mooted um, Tam Courts who was at Kelty Hearts uh, Stephen Swift, who's done a, a decent job at uh, BSC Glasgow. Meeting these guys. <laughs> and uh, of all course, the stars. Uh, all the stars. <laughs> and of course, someone like uh, Stevie Aitken, although he was apparently approached by Breakin but wanted to hold out for a, a higher profile job. Let's go then. I don't know about that. Who are a bigger club? Breakin are a bigger club than Steny. I think most clubs are bigger than Steny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, if he's not going to go to Brecon, then he's probably not going to come to come to Stenhouse Muir. But it's just, I, I, you know, something I, I loved Colin McMenamin as a as a player at Stenhouse Muir because he was there. Scott Booth signed him. I was very sceptical at first because, of course, he gave that interview with the Daily Record when he said Scottish football's dead. That's why I'm going to join Celtic Nation. And also, look how that look at that turned out. But there was when he came out, kind of the feeling You're the Celtic that, Nation, Joe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But it was this idea, you know, that, that he's sort of come back up to Scotland with his tail between his legs and he's basically at Stennis Muir because he couldn't get anything better. So I was really sceptical of him, but he totally won me over with the, with his performances and he was the, the best player in a very poor team. And he will be one of my all-time favourite Stennis players. However, as a manager, you know, some the only one performance I can say about it was um, the beating Falkirk in the Cup. Should Worth he- it? <laughs> you got to say, that that day itself was great, but if you take the long-term effects of the club that are staring into uh, potential relegation from, from League 2, then you'd probably say no. And also as well, had it been better overall rather than just in that one game, Stenny would have been in the league with Falkirk and had four cracks at beating them. Yeah, you know something? Absolutely, absolutely. The... The, the, the relegation under an athletic was some of the mimsiest performances I've seen for, from the Warriors. Should he have been, I know it's the usual hindsight, but should he have either went or continued on in his no. player-coach role when Brown Ferguson left? Oh, yeah, you know some that you're, you're, you're interesting point, actually. Yeah, Bomber should never have been sacked in the first place. I think that's something the board need to take a look at themselves. I was talking there, they were unhappy with some of his transfer dealings. Well, you know, if you're unhappy with Bombers transfer dealings, I'd love to know what they made of, uh, of, of the players that Colin signed. No, I'd, I'd be a penny for Brown Ferguson's thoughts about the whole thing. I remember him saying he was on um, on Twitter. I'm sure it was where he said if the if the club if the club get relegated, it will set them back years because he worked really hard. They had a three year plan when he signed a contract, and it looked as though they were going to stick to it, and it, it just didn't make sense at the time. And as is proven to to be the case, and it's a damn shame because it's, it's, it's sullied 
Colin's been at the club for about five years now, since 2014 when Scott Booth signed him, and it's just a, quite a, a sorry way for it to, to finish up. How are you feeling that you've had to say Scott Booth twice in the one podcast? It's incre- uh, Scott Booth, uh, I... No, it's fine. <laughs> right, uh, so we'll move I'm forgetting we're on the telly now, eh? So <laughs> people, there's perhaps a bit more scrutiny uh, under us. You weren't accused of going around disguised as a school. Right, Stenhouse Muir, as you said, were beaten at the weekend by Cowdenbeath. Cowdenbeath are up into third place <laughs> in League 2, just one point by Denver City and... Four, I think, off the top. Yeah, very impressed with them on Saturday. Very impressed. Dennis Muir had played them in the final game of the Betfred Cup and beaten them 2-0. I, to be honest, didn't think much of them. I thought they were quite decent in attack with Jordan Allen and David Cox, but soft at the back, soft in the middle of the park, and Dennis Muir won that match with relative comfort. However, I think I underestimated them going into the weekend's game. Very impressed with them. Excuse me. Now, their, their three goals they scored were piss poor goals from a Stennis Muir perspective but you can only beat what's in front of you and they were attacked well they kept Stennis sorry <laughs> sorry I don't, I don't know why I think it's a, a Barocca You've that's sold on my laptop, laptop and yeah. it sounds like a viewer's like a mouse that's currently operating uh, on it no I think it's, it's a Barocca I once ran a, a cotton bud underneath this latch here and it was absolutely absolutely filthy nevertheless um, <laughs> the Filthiest Stenny's defending. Whoa, that's good. I mean, have you seen the have you seen the goals? That, no, no. That, nah, I mean, the, f- the first goal, Craig Barr, who got in the SPFL team of the week, deservedly so. He won the ball back. This this isn't twenty minutes in the match. This is a, an indicator of how bad or how good Cowan Beath were and how bad Stenny's we were. Craig Barr won the ball back in the middle of the park. He beat a man, lovely bit of skill because Craig Barr's got that. You know, Craig Barr uh, has played uh, sort of defensive midfield. You know, he he is a like a, a bit, got a bit of pedigree. He's a good football player. Beat a man with one that shimmied it between his feet to take two players out of the game. Dribbled forward, played it out wide to Chris Renton. Continued his run into the box. Renton tossed in this big floaty cross. One of the ones you know you expect your goalkeeper mm-hmm. or defenders to to reach it. They didn't, and Barr just did a simple job of nodding it in. The David Cox's goal late into the... Sorry, I'm just watching it now. That is uh, incredibly easy. He, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't even run into the box. He mm-hmm. walks into the box. Yeah. But it's, it's, um, a, I think it's an impressive bit of skill in the middle of the park. To, that was probably the highlight of the match, actually, to take the ball past uh, Kieran Anderson and Jamie McKernan. The, mm-hmm. the the second and third goals were particularly poor from Stennis Muir's point of view, but that was uh, thanks to Cowdenbeath's press and, and, and insistence. Um, and I'd like kind of like pay tribute to this, this Cowdenbeath team um, that... Like they've got a good goalkeeper in Kevin Dubrovsky. Unfortunately, he took a whack by David Marsh, a bit of a cheap shot by David Marsh, who wants to take a bit of a look at himself after that, and he's broken his cheekbone. Uh, when it, he was 3-0 up, and he thumped the goalkeeper, so there's no excuses for that. So they'll need to get another goalkeeper from somewhere. But Craig Barr and, and Jamie Todd are a, a solid centre-back pairing. Um, in the middle of the park, I wasn't convinced when I saw him the first time. I think Kyle Miller gives off a massive student-teacher vibes. But he's uh, very tidy, you know, just keeping things ticking over. But it's, it's their attack that I was most impressed with. You've got Chris Renton, is what, six foot four, big, muscular, solid guy who can take balls, he fire into his, his feet, into his chest, into his head. He can win them and play guys he into can, the game. He's, he's good at, <clears throat> we've seen it with Scotland against Russia and Juba, he's good at pinning. Defenders. That's actually a right good point. Yeah, I mean he, uh, Andy Monroe and David Marsh on on Tosin, he can, He's got a big backside as well, and he can he can win you yards just by leaning back into people and car- and that hold up play can carry a team at the park. And he had David Cox, who was really good. David Cox is just 
pure energy, proper live wire player. The sort of guy I don't remember as much of a pantomime villain in the lower league since perhaps um, Josh Falkingham oh. Dunfermline. The sort of guy you'd love to have in your team, but you hate it when he's playing against you. But he's a right good player and the best player in the park to take it back to Hart and Midlothian slant was Connor Smith who they've, they've taken on. He looks a cracking player. That's my... So my mate texts me when Cowden signed Chris Hamilton and Connor Smith on loan and just asked me what, what they were like. Hamilton is... From what from the very, very little I've seen, but also what I've heard, is a very good defender, but he's kind of Cannavaro-esque and he's really small, so he played against Chris Boyd on his debut. With I think Hearts. he played at full-back, actually. Um, yeah, so he's, he's, played, he's played at right-back yeah. at times, but I think his position is centre-back. Like, he's Boyd, a centre-back, but he's really small. Yeah, Chris Boyd just ran into him, and he just flopped over, and Boyd just was just, just running, uh, just laughing. But Connor Smith is, is someone that, I think around Tynecastle, that they've got higher hopes for him than they do Harry Cochran. Wow, uh, it's, it, it does say a lot, but I think he is just fine. There's just one, there's just one piece of skill from the last game of last season against Celtic where uh, it was it was it was gift up, and he got the ball. And similar to um, Mango's spit skill against mm-hmm. Denny, he he did that. He just he was he started to go one way, and two Celtic players followed him. He just turned. Yeah. They kept on running, and he was he opened up space. Well, he's a very that's very intelligent. Totally, player. that's that's something that that, that I that I've got, I'd written down about. I mean, he's excellent touch, brilliant awareness, and it's great seeing that somebody as young as that have that sort of like intelligence, just spatial awareness around you. And Stennis so, just couldn't touch him. What, what what I kind of want to ask is that obviously Bowen is a manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I right saying he's more of a a direct? kind of manager in terms of the way they play because Cowden do have very good players they've got uh, I think it's Archie, Archie Thomas he was okay he scored you've got you've got Connor Smith as well and Miller said he's nice and tied in the ball that is there a is there a worry that they could bypass they did that a lot of that last season I'm sure towards the tail end of last season there was a real sense of dissatisfaction with the way that, that they were going under bowl and Cowden Beef I think towards like maybe the latter half of that season never good enough to get into the top four but too good to get sucked into the Berwick Rangers Albion Rovers uh, I had a decent decent squad of players and I do think there was I went to the match actually where they Albion Rovers beat them 1-0 to move off the foot of the table oh, yeah. and there was a small I was standing near there was a small group of Cowden Beef fans there and the, the impression I got from them was just fed up the football was right back to front although that's at Clifton Hill so you can maybe excuse that because of the the server although I'm not saying like Central Parks um, <laughs> 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 Bowling Green uh, but I, I, I do think that, 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 that Gary Bowling I wouldn't want to say turned it around because it is a small like, like sample size of games but I mean that's three matches in, in, in a row they've won against like, who have they beaten? They beat uh, Annan. They came. They came right close to to beating uh, Cove Rangers as, as as well. Oh yeah, of course. Um, the, the fact it took a last minute winner for for Cove Rangers. Not many teams will, will push them as as far as that. Um, the, the only the only thing I would say about uh, Count is they do not have a, a massive group of players beyond that that starting eleven. The only guys of any real quality, might you say, Jamie Piper's a decent defender who can come in when called upon. He came in uh, in the match. Graham Taylor had did a, a, had some good games with Edinburgh City last season, and Jordan Allen, who is just returning to fitness, who's another uh, option. I think there's, there's certainly been chat among Cowden fans that, especially after the breaking game they won two one. I think it was the Breaking game they won 2-1 mm-hmm. at the end of August, that they would quite like to see 3-5-2 as their main formation, which gives you Barr, Todd and Hamilton 
at the at the back. So you got Hamilton, who maybe doesn't have to. second, there might have been a three-five to their plane. They're playing I Mullen, Fraser Mullen at, at left Mullen wing back, and, and Robbie Buchanan. Okay, so they just it's hearts as well. See, this is. <laughs> So the, I think the, the, for on these I mean, the, the, the team against Brecon was Mullen I, and Swan Harvey Swan as the wing backs and you had Thomas oh, Miller Stenhouse Muir Harvey Swan oh, <laughs> of course uh, so you had uh, Thomas Miller and Smith in the middle and Renton and Allen up yeah. front and uh, looking at that on paper just in terms of uh, hearing how each have done or certainly key players there that they've they've got a good chance to certainly maybe not push Cove because Cove like they No, could. you know something I, I agree with that I, I think I do think that the, the size of the squad is small so if you have a, I say if you were to have a Renton to a, a, a Renton an injury to Chris Renton or Kyle Miller or Fraser Mullen or something I don't necessarily think there's the quality there that will come in and like, immediately re- replace it however that division Overall, there is a real lack of quality. You can only really look at like yeah, Cove Rangers and Edinburgh City as the two obvious like like good teams. In it, I was, was going to say the, the next five games would probably say a lot because we've got winnable away games at Queens Park and still in Albion, mm-hmm. but the home games of Albion Rovers, Edinburgh City, and Cove Rangers. Be interesting to see. I reckon if they can take uh, nine points from 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 that that run of five games, I think you'd really have to consider them as, as top four contenders. Hard games. Oh, everyone of this sounds like just a stupid thing to say because every game is a hard game. Queens Park are probably the dark horses in that division. Right. Albion Rovers of um, at the start of the season they're a decent shout for the top four. Ember City might have got shellacked in the first game of the season up at uh, Cove, but they've proven themselves to be a, a decent side. You've got to think that so Albion are shite. But if... <laughs> <laughs> so Cove Rangers are good. <laughs> you've got to think. Um, putting my uh, cow and bias on that if. They, if they could find, if they could make Central Park a really difficult place, uh, place to come in terms of. So they should, you, yeah, because it, it is. It's, it's, it's not. You I'm never not, hear anyone has, you know, as, a, as opposition player, play, have a nice thing to say about it. And it. especially because you have that small pitch that you've got rent in there, you can pin defenses back. That opens up the game for the likes of uh, likes of Smith and Thomas and Miller, etc., mm-hmm. uh, etc. Et that if they can have a really, really strong home record. They could maybe push, uh, push on and injury free. You know, so I, fight I, for the I fight for the title. I, I would say that, that every team in that division, even I mean, even include Breakin in this because it's still at the early stage. Breakin and Stirling, every team should be looking to finish in the top four in that division because it's it's there to be won. It's a poor poor division and it's uh, it's all up for grabs. Okay, and if. The teams that are looking to, to get these positions, if they go up, they might be overlapping a team who are struggling at the bottom of League One. Yeah, Montrose, that was the other team. I only kind of briefly looked at them. but it's I've a, only got a brief amount of time left. Well, that's, <laughs> thank God. I, that's, it's been a, a poor campaign so far. One point from six matches, and that the only points come from a draw with Stranraer on the opening day of the season. It's and Stranraer are also kind of uh, struggling a bit this season, have they yeah, not? Oh, they were thumped by Clyde at the weekend. It was at 6-1 at finish. David Goodwillie got five goals, uh, which is three penalties, but... They all still count. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I hate that. It says, "Oh, he scored. He scored fifteen goals, and but but five of them were penalties." They all, they all well, still count. Uh, to continue with the theme of the podcast, as a Hearts fan, uh, I know how hard penalties can be to be scored by players. Well, exactly. <laughs> 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 But it is, it is a concern that, that the Montrose's form. However, I would say it's not. It's a concern, but it's not overly worrying. The games that they've been involved in this season, I looked and watched the highlights of them last night. And on the best part, there's been very little between the sides. For instance, the game against Falkirk, 
they they could have arguably taken something for that match had Alan Fleming not chucked the ball off Conor Salmon's head <laughs> and let it bounce into the net. Against Wraith Rovers, for instance, they were well in the game until the final 10 minutes where they kind of looked a wee bit tired, lost a bit of concentration, lost a bit of shape and Wraith Rovers ended up steamrolling them. And the match against East Fife at the weekend, they were very much in the game until Terry Masson was sent off for a, a, a stinking tackle. That I proper straight red two feet, no need for it. Um, and in the middle of the park, and East Fife took advantage of that, and uh, Ryan Wallace and Aaron Dunsmore got the got the second and third goals. Um, do you know something? I, I, it's concerning, but I don't think it's anything to worry about because they do think they have the best coach in the lower leagues in in Stuart Petrie. I've only seen Montrose once before, but I still kind of get the impression when I, I look at their, their team that they're kind of built around yes, their defence. Yes. But they're, they're not entirely like enterprising going forward at all. I think they sometimes play like 5-4-1 and like a proper 5-4-1 as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is it a, for what little you've seen, is it a case of just kind of lacking that bit of quality to, I, to take I, points? You know something, I do, I do think so that... The, Montrose since uh, you're going back since Chris Templeman I don't really think they've had like a, a quality centre forward and, and Big Sani as we've mentioned before was one of the most unique players iconic lower league yeah just a weird looking fella you know who <laughs> who did who could do things with the ball that you don't really see elsewhere other than uh, other than that sort of stuff just for a guy like that who could barely win a header but stick the ball in front of his feet man my goodness he would take you this way take you that way take you all over the place <laughs> um, but I, th- I think that that's the problem the guys uh, it's like guys like Josh Skelly he's not going to score you loads of goals Chris Johnson's not going to score you Craig Johnson loads of goals. Yes. edit that out <laughs> Craig Johnson's not going to score you uh, that many goals yeah because look, look look, just looking at the, the, the names like Ross Campbell and Craig Johnson they, they just strike right. me as, I think the big kind of plodding the big player yeah, even even when Montrose were doing well in like League Two, I was like never really sticking their, their forwards in team of the week. It was always the defenders. Yeah, and the, I think the, the the sort of the marquee signing, and I use marquee in the loosest sense of the word here, like Russell McLean, who they signed from Peterhead, ex Heart of Midlothian. Hey, he, <laughs> <You> know that <laughs> I recognise him. <laughs> he uh, he hasn't been uh, as quite well expected. He's sort of like quite gangly. And sort of like Chris Templeman sort of way, but he's never really managed to impose himself on the games. But you know something, Stuart Petrie, this is the first time and since he's taken charge of Montrose there's been any sort of wobble. Hugely successful time in charge of the club. Like, I mean, the season previous won the first ever league title in 20-odd years. And then last season, I think we said when we did the lower league bonanza, Pound for pound, they were the best side in Scotland last season, given where they finished, given where people expected them to start. So I don't think there's uh, much to worry about at the moment for, uh, yet for Montrose. OK, that'll do as a now. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to hear more for us, we're going to go over at patreon.com. Where we're going to record another uh, 15 minutes or so about uh, some, well, latest happenings in Scottish football. So make sure you head over there. Well, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at Test Podcast, and I think that's pretty much it. Uh, can Tonight's I show's coming back soon? Oh, aye, that's coming back. Uh, a view from the terrace, which is loosely based on on the podcast, that's coming back uh, on Friday, twenty seventh September, half past ten. And BBC there, you might Channel. see advertisements around around Glasgow and Edinburgh, your cities, because there's someone trains, someone on the side of uh, Lovian buses. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, a woman from my work took a picture of uh, inside her train. There was an advertisement there, obviously. <laughs> just, uh, just had that. She wasn't just taking pictures, uh, so that's, that's that's good to see. Good to yeah, see. So BBC Scotland Channel next 
Friday, so that's Friday the... 27th. Just what I said. <laughs> half past 10. <laughs> half past 10. I wasn't listening to that part. I was too busy looking at Joel screaming about the all of them buses taking it back. Ah, it's going to be good. It's going to be some of the ideas that are... I, mean, I, I don't want to give too much away, but episode one, a certain duo are back. It's Duncan McCarthy. <laughs> Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.